Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians is that great repository of redemptive truth. Coupled alongside Romans gives us the greatest information that we have about what happens in the process of regeneration when we are made new creatures in Christ Jesus. That old things are passed away and all things are become new. That when we're converted and when we're brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, then there is a change in our, the Bible calls it conversation. We know that to be our conduct or our behavior. That we change our personality once we become saved. We leave those old beggarly elements, the Bible calls them, of our past life, and we embark upon a new journey, a walk, a walk. The old timers used to call it a way, the way of salvation. They used to testify and they would say, I'm glad I've been in this way for a long time. And they spoke of our journey into the presence of God as as a, a walk with God. They would quote from the scripture, Enoch walked with God and was not. For God took him. Did you notice that Enoch walked with God? It did not say God walked with Enoch. It said Enoch walked with God. And that's the right progression. That's the way it should be stated. Because God's will for us is the way we should walk. And God's purpose and God's plan for us is how we should conduct ourselves and how we should act. And the Bible said, among whom we who are people of God shine brilliantly with great radiance to the people of the world announcing the goodness of God and the great blessing of being in right relationship with Him. Anybody in this house in right relationship with God? Amen. Would you, anybody in this house dare call yourself a saint? Well, I'm going to heaven, Brother Jerry, but I don't know about a saint. I often jokingly say, either you're a saint or you ain't. (laughs) Amen. The Bible calls people who are believers, who are born again, children of God, it calls them saints. My dad used to call everybody in the church saints. We don't do that much anymore, Victor. We're not well acquainted with that term for uh, referring to church people as saints. But the Bible tells us that under the church at Corinth, to them that are called to be saints, called to be saints, then this relationship that we have with God is a situation where we step into a a, a morality, a, a spiritual righteousness, not in ourselves, but in Jesus, that our righteousness comes through Him, not I, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God that we are represented before God in the person of our Lord Jesus. And the Bible says He is our righteousness. He is our holiness. He is the basis upon which our our sainthood should rest. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible talks about our being saints. I'm not going to read the whole chapter for sake of time, but I want to start at verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Fitting 
for saints. Well, we, we know what the word fit means, don't we? To be physically fit is to be prepared for whatever you physically need to do. And uh, when you, you talk about a person, you, you say sometimes, well, he, he's not fit for anything. Well, what are you saying about that God? It means he's ill-prepared to be what he needs to be. Amen. All, we know, all of us have knowledge about being fit, don't we? Fit for nothing. We call people sometimes, he's not old fit for nothing. Well, that, we shouldn't say things like that, but that's kind of letting us know what fit means in our vernacular, in our, our way of thinking. But in this biblical verse, it says that we should avoid and not participate and have no relationship with fornication and all uncleanness, covetous. Let it not even so be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. That gratefulness should be a common conversation among us. Thanking God and being thankful to Him should be a common expression among us. Amen? We ought to thank God for this day. We ought to thank God for that car we rode over here in. We ought to thank God for the air conditioner that cools this place. We ought to thank God for the light that gives us the illumination to see and, and to be seen in this place. We ought to thank God for his word. We ought to thank God for that chair you're sitting on. You ought to thank God for the clothes you got on today. Uh, in fact, just an attitude of gratitude should be the common... Are you getting what I'm saying? The common talk among us should be gratitude and thanksgiving. That, that's what the apostle is saying. For this you know that no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous person who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, we, we don't like to call sin, sin a lot of times, and we want to kind of just take care of everybody's feelings, but he just comes right out and says, these people are not going to heaven. Sometimes the Bible just glaringly just grabs us by the shoulders and looks us in the eye and says, you won't go to heaven if you do this. Boy, you're real quiet today. Maybe you're listening. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, there's a consequence to those things. Idolatry, fornication, uncleanness, Filthy conversation, there's a consequence. And he said, because of those things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience or the children of wrath. Therefore, look at verse 7, therefore do not be a partaker with them. Now that does not mean don't have relationship and friendships with lost people. God wants you to have relationship with lost people else your testimony and your witness would not have opportunity to influence someone toward Christ. What he's saying is don't participate in their evil. In other words, don't do what they do. Don't act like they act. Don't talk like they talk. Come on, somebody. You might just simplify all of that and call it sanctification. And that's what basically this is about. Let nobody deceive you. For you were once, look at verse 8, you were once darkness. You were once darkness. Now we've entered into another metaphor. And we're, we're talking about light and dark now as it relates to this difference that we have, this 
distinction that we have, this identifiable seal that God places upon them that are his. Do you believe that God places a seal upon people that are his? Would you put it up there for me? It's in Ephesians, I believe it is. It talks about we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. What is it that grieves the Spirit of God? It's our, our conduct. Amen. It's our attitudes. It's our behavior. It's our inconsistencies that grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Sealed. And that word seal comes from the Greek word sagrophos. S-O-G-R-O-P-H-A-S. Sagrophos. It literally means this. To be stamped with a signet of identification. Do you believe God knows them that are his? Do you believe that God identifies as peculiar people and a chosen generation and a royal priesthood as them that are his? Amen. I believe that God has so distinguished his people that they are identifiable in a dark world by the light that shines in their life. I believe that you have a light inside you that penetrates the darkness of this old world. I believe that God has put a sunrise in every one of you. I believe that God has enabled and empowered every one of you to be a bright and shining light and that the light overcomes the darkness. It does it every time. God's light is so designed that it overcomes and overwhelms darkness. What happens when you walk in a dark room and turn the light on? What leaves? What stays? Are you getting it? Light always supersedes darkness. You were once darkness. Boy, I just can't leave that. You were once. One scripture says, of such were some of you. Paul in the Corinthian correspondence is telling the people about how, how folks that at one time were vile and wretched and corrupt and perverted. And then he says, of such were some of you. And I love the next line. You know what it says? But you were washed. Glory to God. I'm glad God's got a washing. I'm glad he's got a cleansing, aren't you? I'm glad he's got a regeneration. The Bible said in Titus 3 and 5 that by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, the Bible in Hebrews talks about uh, being cleansed and washed with pure water, that we cleanse our hands and, and that with pure hands we stand before the Lord because God washes our hands and sprinkles us from an evil conscience. Why? So that we can obey, so that we can be the person God wants us to be. Now I realize that we're living in a, a, a real age of passivity. There's not much people taking a stand against much of anything. But I've found that if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. If you don't take a stand and state and identify who is on the Lord's side, there has to be a, a time when you let your family, your friends, everybody know if they don't know it already, they need to know where you stand on these issues. 
There are issues in this country that have brought us to the brink of disaster. This nation is tottering right on the brink of disaster because we've changed our mind. I said we've changed our mind. Sins that at one time caused the modest to blush have now become their glory. Sins that at one time were in the back alleys have now been brought out on the broadways and the highways. Sin that at one time was done in secret has now become public. Sin that at one time caused people to shudder with the utter shame of it. And like the Bible said in Isaiah, they have traded their, their shame for another glory. And the Bible said, and they declare their sin as Sodom and they hide it not. I want to tell you, it's time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the 21st century to let this country and this culture know where we stand. And if we stand for the morality that is biblical, the Judeo-Christian model of morality, then we need to take a stand for that. Well, is that popular? No, it's not. Is it politically correct? No. It's politically correct now to make fun of Christians. It's politically correct now to make fun and call ignorant and stupid people that contend for old-fashioned morals and biblical principles. It's politically correct now to make Christians the butt of your jokes. And they're the ignorant ones, and they're the ones that are unenlightened. But I want to tell you, the darker the blackness of the night comes, the more brilliance the light of God's sunrise will become. And God's people must not shrink in these days of, of passivity. But this nation needs someone to call this nation to God. Someone needs to stand in, in a public place and say to this nation that you're on a, a road that's carrying you to a bad place. And that if you don't stop traveling the road you're on, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You're going to reap disaster and catastrophe if you don't change. And if the nation doesn't come to respect God as our Constitution teaches us, then we're headed for a terrible, terrible disaster. I don't think sometimes the, the modern day church realizes how tense and how fragile the peace is. The Bible said in the last days there would be wars and rumors of wars. There's 120 of them going on on the globe right now. Wow. The Bible said there would be earthquakes in divers places. There are earthquakes and tsunamis that you see on your little weather report. If you'll just scroll down, you'll see earthquake in Thailand, uh, earthquake uh, tremors in Japan, uh, tremors among the uh, Andrean fault. Uh, the, the, the Pacific Rim experienced tremors this last week. And you can see all of that earthquakes in divers places. You can just pick up your newspaper and start reading and you can see all over it what biblical prophecy says. And still the nation just goes right on ignoring all of these prophetic utterances and their fulfillment. And the Lord seems to be saying, how long? How long will ye scorners delight in your scorning? How, how long will you simple ones love your simplicity? How long will this nation thump its nose at the God who 
created all of this. How long will God tolerate this? I want to tell you, God said my spirit will not always strive with the man. And God said one day this door is going to close. This door is wide open right now. It's called the day of grace. And it's the time of the open door. And the invitation is whosoever will, let him come. But be not deceived. The Bible said in Galatians, be not deceived. For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Don't be deceived into thinking that this is the way it's just always going to be. There's going to be a day. And the Bible said, and God hath appointed a day. God hath appointed a day. I don't have God's calendar. He keeps it himself. But he has on his calendar an appointed day. I don't know when that day. It could be today. I don't know anything in that book that would prevent the Lord Jesus from coming back at this very moment. I don't know one prophecy that needs to happen before the Lord Jesus comes back. It could happen right now. Right now. But I want to tell you one thing. The Lord is going to coming, coming after a glorious church. Lord, I feel anointed today. God is coming after an anointed church. A glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without spot. But I must tell you that the condition of the church today is more Laodicean than it's ever been before. What does that mean? Neither hot nor cold. Not in, not out. Not right, not wrong. Not yes, not no. But somewhere in between. And you know what God's response was to that? God said, I will spew that out of my mouth. I would be less than the pastor God called me to be if I didn't warn you. Because if he said, you don't warn them. If you stand upon the wall and you see the day coming and you don't warn the people, I'll require their blood at your hands. I don't want to stand before the Lord with blood on my hands. I want to tell you today, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh, the Bride of Christ must prepare and make herself ready. Hallelujah, because the groom is coming. Hallelujah. The Savior is soon to appear in the eastern sky, and this earth is going to receive a convulsion like it's never experienced before. Graves will burst wide open. Amen. People will be caught away to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now listen, you can just ho-hum that right out the door. But I pray that you'll take that as a a prophetic utterance that the Lord would have every one of us know that we're in the last of the last days. Can't be any other way. Did you ever wonder why in the book of Revelation there isn't very much about the United States of America? I challenge you, you might find some little reference to the eagle somewhere in the Revelation, and that's about the only thing you can find about the United States. Boy, something just sucked all the oxygen out of this room, didn't it? We better read some more. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, this ungodliness comes upon the children of wrath, 
Therefore, do not be a partaker with them. For you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk, therefore, as children of the light. The Bible said, what communion hath the light with dark? How can we who are the light fraternize and patronize the dark? We don't have any communion with the dark. We have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Is anyone listening to this preacher preach today? God wants you to be fruitful and he wants you to have good fruit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, long-suffering, patience, faith, and temperance. The good fruit of a spiritual life, not those ugly things that are found on a person's life who doesn't live in right standing with the Lord Jesus. There was a reason why they called us holiness people. I wonder if we were tried today for being holiness, if there's a jury anywhere that would convict us. I wonder if we were tried for being Pentecostal, if there's a jury that would convict us. Don told you about an event this last week where the Holy Spirit revealed himself to someone that had never experienced or seen or had been in the presence, and his response was, I don't know what I think. All I know is I did have cancer, and now I don't. Any precedence for that, Pastor? Yes. A blind man seated by the road and yelled out to Jesus, and Jesus healed him of his blindness. He went and washed the spittle off his face. The officers at the temple came and interviewed him and said, don't you know that this Jesus is a sinner? And he said, whether he be a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know what to think about you calling him a sinner. All I know that I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was wretched and debauched and depraved, but now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Call him what you want to call him. Ridicule him. Persecute people for receiving him. Whatever. All I know is what I used to be and the person I am now. And the world needs just such testimonies as that right there. Did you know that evangelism is nothing but one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread? Evangelism is nothing but telling your story. Oh, I don't know the Bible well enough, Brother Jerry, to lead somebody to God, but you can tell your story. You can tell someone about what happened to you. Like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Every time he appeared in a courtroom, when they asked him, said, what happened to you? How did you get to be like this? You one time was a zealot for Judaism. I remember you were present the day they executed Stephen. Yes, but I was on my way to Damascus and a bright light shined down upon me and I said, Lord, who art thou? And he said, I am Jesus. I I made a relationship. I, I made an acquaintance with someone that day that changed my life. 
Well, let's, let's, let's appeal your case to another. Let's send you on, on up to, to Festus. You go to his court. Festus says, uh, I see here uh, your name used to be Saul. Uh, I see you've got quite a, quite, a, quite, a, quite a certification there. I see. Hebrew of the Hebrews. Pharisee of the Pharisees. Tribe of Benjamin. That's the king, the tribe, you know. Benjamin. Wow. I see here where you've got a lot of persecution, a lot of arrest to your credit here. And, and you're in here as a Christian? What happened? I was on my road to Damascus. And there was a bright light shine down upon me. And I heard a voice say, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And I, I said to that, that voice, I heard, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go into Damascus and I want you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I want you to start preaching my word. Well, I've got to bump you on up. I'm going to appeal your case. I'm going to send you on up to Agrippa and let Agrippa hear you. Well, he went to Agrippa's court, and Agrippa said, Well, you've got a lot of good things going on for you here, and I'm almost persuaded that the, this change you've made. Can you tell me how you come to this court here? You've been in two inferior courts, and now you're in superior court. What are you doing here? I was on my way to Damascus. And a bright light shined down upon me. And I heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I said, oh, Lord, who are you and what do you want me to do? He said, I'm Jesus and I want you to be saved. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to write half of the New Testament. I want you to start churches. I want you to take missionary trips. I want you to mentor young preachers. I want you to be a, a bright, shining light for me. Hey, the greatest evangelism tool you got is tell your story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish I could get to this message. I hadn't even got to the text yet. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness righteousness, and truth. Wow. Have no fellowship, verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Not only are we to say, I'm not going to participate in that, but I'm going to tell you that you don't need to participate in that. I didn't know that was in there, Brother Jerry. You mean the Lord wants us to preach against sin? Yes. Didn't say expose people. He said expose the unfruitful works of darkness. He said expose the wrongness, the wrongness of immorality, the wrongness of idolatry, the wrongness of, of evil deceit, the wrongfulness of, of cheating and lying and stealing. Come on, somebody. My Lord, isn't it, isn't it time that we just stood up and took a stand against sin? For the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Have no fellowship, but rather reprove them. Listen, for it is a shame. 
it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. When you call sin, sin, you're drawing a big target on your chest, especially nowadays. What there used to be laws in this country against has now become protected, preferred stock. And yes, a tape of this message I'm preaching could be confiscated and sent to those persecutors and we may lose our 5013C tax exemption. That's the threat now for pastors and preachers. If you offend one of these people groups, come on somebody, if you offend one of these sinners, if you say what sinners are doing is not right in the sight of God, then we can revoke your 5013C. But could I tell you, I'm not intimidated and I'm not threatened. You either believe God's word or you don't. You either believe what God said. He said, don't, don't participate with them. But not only don't participate in stealing, lying, cheating, and idolatrous things. Don't, not only don't, don't do that with them, that do those things, but tell them they don't need to be doing it either. Tell them that that's wrong and you'll go to hell for doing that. Now that won't work in the easy church, make me feel good, called church culture we're in right now. But that's the truth of God's word. Not only, he says, don't participate, but don't participate and expose, he said, that kind of wrongdoing. Have no fellowship, but reprove them. It's shameful what goes on, but he said, I want you to expose what is shameful and wrong. But all of these things, verse 13, all of these things that are exposed are made manifest by what? The light. Unfruitful works of darkness are exposed by what? The light. 1 John 1 and 9. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. What did you say? I said if we walk in the light, we have fellowship. If we walk in the light, we are fit, fitting to be saints. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. To put that negatively, if we do not have fellowship, it's because we do not walk in the light. Is that not what it says? There was a church conference held near here, I think, this last week about whether two people in the church were going to forgive one another. 
You mean we have to call a conference to decide whether we're going to do what the Word of God says? He says, if you don't forgive, there's no forgiveness for you. He said 490 times a day. No, that's actually as many times as it presents itself. If you're asked to forgive, he said, forgive. An infinite number, seven times 70. So then we've got to get an overseer out of Birmingham and get him to come up here and get people surrounding pastors to come and sit and listen to these two folks to decide whether they're going to do what the Bible says. Are you kidding me? You mean we've got to do a church conference to decide whether we're going to obey the Bible? That'll never happen where I pastor. The Bible says, let every man be a liar and let the word of God be the truth. This world will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But this word will not pass. It's not about convening a conference to decide whether you're going to do this or not. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my church, we'll believe the Bible. As for me and my people that God gave me to shepherd, we will walk in the light as he is in the light. We will enjoy fellowship because we walk in that light. No other option. No other option. Walking in the light as he is in the... Come on, Connor. One last time, help me quit. Somebody said, thank God. <laughs> Therefore, he says, verse 14, Awake, all of you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I'm glad there's a remedy. I'm glad there have been some times when I needed a, a sunrise. I'm glad there have been some times when I needed to awake. You remember in that parable that Jesus gave, Matthew 13, is it? The sower and the seed, where the sower went forth to sow seed, and some fell on hard ground, and the Bible said the seed had no chance. Dirt, birds came and ate the seed, no chance. Next, some seed fell on ground that lacked moisture. And because of the lack of depth, the Bible said, it really took root quick, but because it was shallow, well, that plant just withered. Another, he said, the seed fell among thorns, and the thorns choked it. And listen, and it was unfruitful. The last one, seed fell on good ground. And he said it produced a hundredfold. Well, the disciples left that session scratching their head, not knowing what 
all that meant. And they said, what did you mean by thorns and thistles that the seed of the word of God fell in? He said, those are the cares of this life. Sometimes you can get so sleepy on the cares of this life. Buy this piece of property. Go by and get these tags renewed. Go over there and talk to that renter and tell them to get, 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 get the rent caught up. Go over here and, and get this. Got to pay these homeowner association fees. Got to get that done. Oh, yeah, that old muffler on my wife's car. I got to get by and get that. Sometimes the cares of this life can just become so numerous that you just spiritually go to sleep. And somebody says, preacher preached a great sermon last Sunday. I said, I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> Sometimes you just, just miss it. Sometimes God is telling you something. God is, is trying to show you something, and you just miss it. You want to vote on that one? Anybody ever missed it? <clears throat> Rest of you should have put your hand up. Because every one of us in here have at some time or another missed it. But I'm glad there's a sunrise. I'm glad there's a, a rise, you that sleep, and Christ shall give you life and light. Colossians chapter 1, put that one up there, it's my last one. Colossians chapter 1, go down to verse 8. That's where he talks about transparency us out of the kingdom of darkness. Oh, he didn't say it like that. He said, delivered us from the power of darkness. Every light has to have a power source. Where do you pay your light bill? Alabama power. Well, you mean you don't, you don't go over to Dr. Wade's and pay him for your light. No, he don't, he's not the one that gives me the power to let my light, my lights burn in my house. I got to take care of my power source. If I don't take care of my power source, they'll come. Turn it off. Oh, wow. That power source, he said, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 through about 14 down through there, but I won't read them all, I promise Delivered us from the power of darkness, strengthened with all might, he says. Strengthened with all might. Go down to about the eighth verse. Strengthened with all might. That means your power source is who? Who is your power source? Who powers your light? Oh, glory. Who also, but being strengthened with all the power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance and a great patience. Go on to the next verse. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in that inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Next verse. For he has rescued us. Anybody been rescued? Are you a member of God's rescue squad? Are you somebody's 911? He rescued us. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. 
He delivered me from that power source that was feeding all those unfruitful works of darkness. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Next verse. In whom? Jesus. We have redemption. Forgiveness of sins. Next verse. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Next verse. For in Him, all things, all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible things, invisible things, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Do you mean that God himself owns the earth? Yes, the Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You mean he owns the United States of America? Yes, he does. You mean he's in control of history? Yes, he is. He's moving all of history right along right now toward its expected end. When it comes to the date he hath appointed, praise God, Things will start to happen. Things will go in motion because all things are created through Him and for Him and by Him all things consist. That means the Son came up this morning with His permission. That means the sun, the moon will come up tonight with the permission of God. That means those waves down there at Gulf Breeze Fall upon that beach with his permission. That means birds fly by his permission. That means the winds blow, the stars twinkle by the permission of our God. For it all belongs to him and it was created through him and for him. I'm his. What a wonderful feeling in my soul. He's mine. He's protecting me from the heat and cold. I'll do whatsoever he bids me. I will do. I know my Redeemer will lead me safely through. Glory to God. You mean you're not worried? No. Not worried. You mean all of this that you've preached this morning doesn't scare you? No. The Bible said when, not if, but when you see these things. Don't look down. Don't look north. Don't look toward Washington. Look up! Look up! Look up! Your redemption, your redemption, your deliverance, your rescue. Glory to God. I'm ready, aren't you? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hang on just a minute, Connor. Let me do something before I leave. When I was just a child, I heard the old, old story. 
how a Savior came and died on Calvary. And way back then, I proclaimed him God Almighty. And just as before, but now even more, you're still Lord to me. You're still Lord. You're still my Father. In little or much, I still feel your touch. You're still Lord. Glory to God. You're still Lord. You're still my Father. You'll always be mine. For all of time, you're still Lord to me. Amen. Amen.